either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. One we've been waiting on for a while leads the pack this week, but definitely some other good stuff to get into as well. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. We're from MadWolf.com, and we'll start where else? With archaeologist Indiana Jones racing against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history. It's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. This way! Fasten your seatbelt. There might be some tablets. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes, and now a final triumph. Indy! Give him hell, Indiana Jones! few times in my life I've seen things. I've been tortured with voodoo. Been shot nine times. Including once by your father. Ah, sorry. But I've been looking for this all my life. All right, so it's been a while since the Crystal Skull didn't really wow anyone. That was 2008, right? 2008, yeah. yeah. And I think if if anything else, or really if nothing else, just the chance to send Indiana Jones off on a better note yes. is, is something to uh, be said for this film. And it definitely does. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It probably should have stopped as a trilogy yeah. uh, after The Last Crusade. But then um, we had... The Crystal Skull, and now we're back with the Dial of Destiny, and yeah, it does feel like a better send-off for Indiana Jones. And uh, the first thing to note is Spielberg is no longer in the director's chair. This right. Is James Mangold takes it over. Now, he's got a he's got a solid resume. Oh, he does. James Mangold has done many good films, including Logan and- 310 to Yuma. Uh, 310 to Yuma, Ford versus Ferrari. Yep. So so that's really not a question of saying, oh, oh can't really hack it, because right away from the opening- 20 minute I, I i would say um opening set piece it's really handled well it i is. mean the action is really well done and as is almost well i'd say all the action in this movie that's not a problem no no and and it is really fun the opening segment you're back in nazi time so uh so it's the young you know top of his got top of his game indiana jones with some very impressive de-aging yeah. of the face the voice is still an 80 year old man's yeah, voice yeah that was a little bit a little bit weird <laughs> because the de-aging is not bad no, it, it not really at all. is not i mean i think it's it's getting better here but yeah when it's paired with the voice of what sounded to us like current Harrison yes. Ford. Oh, it's a little bit of a weird combo, but you've got a nice uh, a nice adventure. They're, he's trying to recover. They say it's the, the sword that drew Christ's blood. That's yep. what they're after in the opening adventure. But, but they stumble upon yes. something better. And not only that, but there's also the, the, the guy who turns out to be a uh, the villain, uh, the menacing Mads Mikkelsen as Dr. Schmidt. He's mm-hmm. also de-aged in that opening well, part. he's quite a bit younger than Harrison Ford. He is. But- so I almost feel like he's aged at the end <laughs> because I think they're supposed to be the same age and he's not. <laughs> so that sets you up for a character that's going to become into the picture much later yeah. as well. But So that's the opening doesn't really have anything to do with the Dial of Destiny until, like you say, they stumble on the chance mm-hmm. to find it because we we find out that his, his old, Indiana's old running mate, 
Vassal. Played by Toby Jones. Played by love Toby him. Jones. I always yeah. love him. Yeah, they've been looking for this, especially Basil. He, we find out it sort of has consumed his life uh, to find this dial of destiny. And then once we move ahead to the the story's present day, which is 1969, then that's when the past comes calling for Indiana through Indiana's goddaughter, who is Basil's daughter. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yes, she's and Helena. She is Helena, and she's she's great. Actually, she's a she's such a fun character. She such really an is interesting character, and she's not what you think she is. She's very dimensional in a very fun way, which gives Harrison Ford the chance to uh, to be funny, to be curmudgeonly, to be annoyed, to you know, and and then to sort of rekindle what he has lost. What I like the best about this movie, and, and Mangold did this really beautifully with Logan, and I think Harrison Ford does a great job with Indiana Jones, he's not the same guy we left behind. You know, he's an old he, man. He shouldn't be. No, yeah. it's exactly, I mean, the whole point, he's an old man, and these adventures and, and the absences that they've caused, it's all taken a toll on him, and that's where we meet him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, he's, he's like a shake your fist, get off my lawn, grumpy old man. Yeah, because when we catch up with him in the late '60s, he's he's having his retirement yeah, party. Yeah, and that is when his goddaughter Helena shows up with this opportunity to get this artifact that they had been searching for all their lives. And you're right, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge brings a really nice blast of of zest to the yes. movie. I mean, don't get us wrong, Harrison Ford is still the star of this show, yes. and rightly so. Yes. But she's a really a, a welcome a spark to it. Yeah, and that's what, but she also, her character and her character's arc gives him a chance, a reason to sort of you know, get dragged back into this mm-hmm. and to to react to to this new generation and then to just rediscover why he did it in the first place, what the point was, what his sense of wonder was, and become indie yeah, again. And-, and I just think that, I think that he, rather than have Harrison Ford play the same old character that he's always played, mm-hmm. it really is. It's, it's having Harrison Ford and audiences and the character rediscover Indiana Jones is really what the purpose is. Yeah, and the character of Helena not only does what what you said, but also when the character makes some choices that we don't anticipate and that Indiana doesn't anticipate, like, oh, that, right. that takes it in about her her motivations maybe are not quite what she's saying. And so that takes the, the adventure in a, in a different direction. And also the, the point about bringing the character up to date with with what feels real for an 80-year-old man, mm-hmm. um, that feeds into the feeling you get at the end, yes. I think, um, that that makes it a very nice and, and capable and, and apt way to send him off into the sunset that feels much better. But, but before we get there, there's still a lot more daring do as, oh, they, as they go after this Dial of Destiny, which basically we find out was... Designed by Archimedes, mm-hmm. remember him, the Greek uh, <laughs> mathematician, astronomer, and it has been said, the legend says that it can create fissures in time, but it was separated into two halves. Archimedes hid the two halves from the ancient Romans, so that's where they're having to unite these two halves. We see that device a lot in movies like this: two halves of something, mm-hmm. put them together, and and you get the power. And then also Dr. Schmidt. Mads, back Mickelson. Mads Mickelson, he's back again too because he wants it. He's got a past that um, is not exactly savory either. So he wants to revisit. He does. He wants to revisit. We'll leave it at that. You can probably guess what the history of the 
some of the villains in this series, what he wants to revisit. But so there's there's lots of really nicely staged action, I think. And also we mentioned about the character development. We should give nods to the script writers here. Jez and John Henry Butterworth, and they have a pretty decent resume too, including Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, And then uh, David Kep who has a, a fine resume of his own going back to the first Mission Jurassic Impossible Park. and Jurassic Park. Yeah, so some good writers at work there, and they do some good work with the characters. What's missing here, obviously, because Steven Spielberg is missing, right. is just that sense of Spielberg childlike wonder. Nobody yep. else can do it like no. he is, so he's not here, so it's not here either. Does it sink the film? No, it doesn't, no. but it's it's absent and noticeably absent. It is. I mean, I think that I, I it's a very enjoyable movie. It really is. Um, I think that um, what it what Mangold does well, the film does well uh, in terms of of the 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 way the action stage and also sort of this existential grief mm-hmm. really that uh, that he's able so well to mine from these heroic characters and not just what they have going forward and what they're doing right now, but the toll it's taken on them. I think all of that is is really great. You know, you've come to, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark is in top five all-time action movies ever made, ever, maybe it's the fantastic. top two. It's fantastic. It's, it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a, a couple of the others have been rollicking good times, and this is, you know, not quite there, but it is a very enjoyable film. Yeah, and here's the thing that we were talking about at lunch here just a little while ago before we started taping this. Last Crusade ended on such such a great note. I mean, they found the Holy Grail for yeah, God's sake. Yeah, it's hard sake. to go someplace else. Where do you go also, after yeah. that? Yeah. Well, we found where they went. Aliens yeah. in Crystal Snow, and then this is. We're not going to tell you exactly where it goes, but Archimedes. Yeah. Let's put it that yeah. way. So, is it a case like like Toy Story where we wanted Toy Story to end after three, but then when four and five, we had to admit, all right, all right they no. found a way. Yep. Is this is not enough to make you wish that it wasn't a trilogy. I mean, it, it it still should have probably ended. That would would have still been the perfect place to end it. But it certainly gives you, uh, washes away that bad taste from part four. And really, the, how a lot of fans react to this movie is probably influenced by their feelings for part four because it's just so much better. You're like, okay, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's really true. And, you know, one of the other things that I... I this it could have been so easy for this film to be just fan service, and while there are a couple of moments, on the whole, that is not what this movie is, and and I appreciated that too. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a well constructed, well thought out character study, as well as being you know uh, another sort of rollicking action movie. So yeah. it was fun, and and even the end, which we're certainly not going to spoil, but it doesn't feel as much like fan service as it does as to character service. It feels yes, right. it does. It I feels agree. right. You, you wanted it. It feels right. And it's just a perfect, a perfect capper. So I think they did that right as well. So, yeah, the, we were talking about this earlier, too. I think it sits very comfortably in at number four of the five. So it's obviously Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then number two, of course, is the third La- is Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I think for a lot of people, it, they might like it better than uh, Temple of Doom. We were talking about Temple of Doom hasn't aged all that well. Right. So it could be a tie with Temple of Doom. You know, it could me, be a bit above Temple of Doom, me, but it's... Me personally, I think so. I never was the biggest fan of Temple of Doom, but you're, I haven't seen it for a while. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's not aging very well. I would, me personally, I would, I would probably put it maybe right on par. Yeah, maybe it that. might be a tie for third. Yeah. 
So uh, so definitely a, a good way, a good ride into the sunset on a horse with the whip, <laughs> with the hat on, because it never comes off. And when it does, he finds a way to get it back. It does. <laughs> definitely worth it. And all in all the theaters this weekend, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Next is the latest animated feature from DreamWorks. A shy adolescent learns that she comes from a fabled royal family of legendary sea krakens and that her destiny lies in the depth of the waters, which is bigger than she could ever have imagined. Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. I feel like a freak. Ow! I just want to be Ruby Gilman, normal teenager. Ugh, boo. Where's the fun in that? You have powers beyond your imagination. You are the protector of all the ocean's creatures. It's up to you to stop the evil mermaids. But people love mermaids. Of course they do. People are stupid. Show me how to use my powers. Are you ready? Let's see what you're capable of. Body armor. Laser eyes. How do you shut them off? Almost. It's time to go big! Uh, we're still on for our tutoring session later, right? Oh! <laughs> yeah, DreamWorks will always have a place for us because they did the How to Train Your Dragon series. Yes. Just great. Yep. Love, love, love. Just fantastic. This does not rise to those heights, but it's perfectly fine. The, the the problem really with this movie is that it is so similar to Turning Red. It's about it's about an adolescent girl and how you know she what just as her hormones and things mm-hmm. are going a little bit crazy. Really what she is. finds out is that she's her family has a history and women turn into monsters. Yeah. And it, the thing about that is that Turning Red is an amazing near masterpiece of animation. Turning Red was great. It was and so good. Maybe for me, Turning Red, and for us, Turning Red seems much more recent than it really was. Um, it seems to me like it was just maybe last year, but it's been, what, a couple years yeah, maybe? Yeah, two, three years. That's too soon. Yeah, it, it really is too soon. It yeah. feels too soon. Yeah. And especially the other part of this, it'll remind you of The Little Mermaid. Which, which is, is awfully soon. Just, <laughs> awfully soon. <laughs> like weeks. So yeah, the timing is not great, but um, it's certainly not bad. But it's nothing that's going to be a classic and remembered in terms of turning red, which is oh, so good. But yeah, Ruby, who was voiced by Lana Condor, who comes from the uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before on Netflix, I guess, which is kind of a favorite for some people, never seen it. But anyway, she's the main voice talent here. And she is just, she's as the synopsis said, adolescent girl. She's getting ready for prom. She wants to go to the prom. She wants to ask her crush to the prom, but she's not allowed to go to the prom because her mom, voiced by Tony Collette, finds out they're having the prom on a boat out in the ocean. Okay, cool. She's not allowed anywhere really near the ocean, and she doesn't really know why, but she finds out when her crush, Connor, falls into the ocean, maybe going to drown, she jumps in to save him, and boom, finds out that the ocean turns her into the Kraken. And that's when she starts finding out about her family history. Not only is mom also a Kraken, but she finds out that Grandma Kraken, voiced by Jane Fonda, is the queen of the Kraken. Because of course she is. Yes. She's Jane Fonda. And come on, that's a lot to deal with when she's trying to get ready for the prom. <laughs> Not only that, but there's a new girl in school who's just beautiful and seems to have everything, life, life, you know, life by the tail. Well, Taylor's right because she turns out to be a mermaid, and she wants to be 
Ruby's friend. But part of this legend of the Krakens and the mermaid is that there's beef. There's serious beef that goes back generations. So now she's suspicious. Does she really want to be my friend? Or is there there ulterior motives here as Mm -hmm. what they try to Mm -hmm. do is recover this hidden trident that will end the feud and blah, 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 and there's power. Guys, this is a very convoluted story. Yes, yes. There are moments of light laughter, um, but it is so familiar. And I think maybe if you're the right age, you know, the 12, the 13-year-olds might, you know, enjoy it more, and there are some wink-winks to popular culture and everything like that. And it looks good. It did, yeah. And it, you want to see, you want to go to an animated family adventure if your kids are the right age. I think it'll be fine. It's mm-hmm. nothing you're going to remember no. that long. It's not, like we said before, it's no turning red or some of the best or know how to train your dragon or anything yeah. like that. I kind of doubt that it's going to spur a trilogy, but uh, it's fine family entertainment. And the parents will probably recognize many of the themes if you've seen some of these films uh, throughout the years or even from the last couple of years. You're going to uh, you're going to remember these, but totally fine. Really, nothing more than that. Um, and if you if you're like us and you have a niece named Ruby, that's you're right. Like, All right, that's right. They even call her Ruby Lou uh, <laughs> once or twice. But that's uh, Ruby Gilman, teenage Kraken in theaters now. Next up is an international drama set in Chile, 1976. Carmen heads off to her beach house when the family priest asks her to take care of a young man he is sheltering in secret. Carmen steps onto unexplored territories away from the quiet life she is used to. It is Chile 76. Camina rápido. Rápido. Mira el suelo. One of the most amazing things about this movie, which actually we're going to say again in a few minutes, is that it's the feature debut of the filmmaker. Yeah, feature debut. Her name is Manuela Martelli. Has done, I believe, shorts up until now, but uh, a stellar, stellar debut and obviously a very personal project for her because she is from Chile and she would have been a teenager just around 1976. And if that was just about two and a half to three years after Pinochet took over. And that's where this film is set with with fear hanging heavy in the air where you can just be taken off the street and led away, never to be seen again, which which happens in the very beginning of this film. Uh, and the the react, we don't see that abduction; we just hear it as Carmen does. And the way that we experience that just through her is one of the the very is one of the many instances where this film uses a, a real restraint, an elegant restraint, mm-hmm. to really hammer home what it's saying. And it's it's so well done because, as the synopsis says, yeah, Carmen. She has she has a lot of free time. She's the wife of a respected doctor, so she has means, she has free time, and she has a conscience as as uh, illustrated by the volunteer work she does. So for those reasons are precisely why a local priest reaches out to her for this very sensitive task of being sort of a, of nursing this man back to health who has been shot and wounded by the authorities but has managed to escape. And he's part of the resistance, part of the freedom fighters that are trying to uh, revolt and resist against Pinochet. So, yeah, she takes advantage of their beach house to take him there. And after making that choice, then her life becomes a series of secret passwords and meetings and looking down and walking fast and and increased suspicions about what she is doing with her time. And it's led by Aline Kupenheim is the lead actress who plays Carmen. She's fantastic. 
just fantastic. So much of it is relied on her nonverbal cues. Yes. Um, very, very well done. And what she's feeling inside and things that she's looking at, maybe cars that are following her, maybe not. Maybe people that are, you know, suspicious of her, maybe not. And it really builds up this this feeling of political intrigue, but yet very, very intimate, just based around this this woman's life and her mission. And as she has to listen to her husband's rich friends complain about the traitors who only want things for free in their country, you know, and just keep silent mm-hmm. for fear of, you know, drawing even more suspicion. Of course, those sorts of themes are things that are still sadly very relevant today. Yes. So even though it's a history lesson about another country in 1976, it's going to really feel feel relevant even today. And it's a, it's another great, like you were saying, another great feature debut from a very talented filmmaker and becomes just a very not only look at her own homeland, which is clearly very meaningful to her, obviously, but also just a, a salute, a somber salute to the spirit of, of revolution yes. in a people. And I really recommend that. That is in select theaters now, and it's called Chile 76. And, well, here's another very impressive feature debut for a writer-director. In 1988, a closeted teacher is pushed to the brink when a new student threatens to expose her sexuality. This is called Blue Jean. If anyone found out, I'd never work again. The gay and lesbian lifestyle is not natural or normal, and it never will be. What I don't get is how two girls actually... Just ignore them. Sorry, you did. I'm not talking about me. What kind of example are you setting for her? Just because I don't parade my sexuality around like a badge of honor. How is that girl ever going to learn that she has a place in this world? Maurice, she thinks she has a place in this world. You're the one with the problem, not me. This isn't a game, Lois. It's me life. She reminded me a bit of you, you know. A deer in the headlights. I'm not a deer in the headlights, am I? Sometimes. I'm damaged. And in a way, you're not. At least you don't have to be. If I don't have to be, then why do you? This is another amazingly uh, well-timed stamped film. So this yeah, is... actually, a lot of it reminded me of right. these two th- these two movies. This one in Chile '76 sort of reminded me of each other. Yes, absolutely. And in this case, so it's Thatcher's England, and this uh, the uh, Jean is a PE teacher at a high school, and she's recently divorced, and she is uh, in love with Viv. Mm. Uh, just a really great performance, too, from both of these actresses. Yeah, uh, Blue Jean, or Jean, is played by Rosie McEwen, and Viv is Carrie Hayes. And we should say at the top, the uh, the filmmaker, the writer-director, is Georgia Oakley. What they hear on the news, what, what you hear on the radio, what you hear on the TV in the background, is that there is a new bill that they're trying to pass, and it essentially, uh, it very, very much limits... Uh, the ability to get a good job or to be promoted if you are openly homosexual or if you found to be homosexual. And this would definitely impact her as a teacher because what they keep saying is that we can't have children around homosexuals because, and it's less because they're afraid of, uh, of, I don't know, something unseemly happening, although that's clearly a theme. It's more because we don't want, this is what the newscasters are saying, we don't want children to think that's normal. Right. It's so even-handed in the way that the film presents it because it simply was life. It just was the life they were leading. And so Jean, particularly because her her job, which she loves, would be at stake, is still quite closeted, even though really the only joy in her life is when she spends time with Viv, her girlfriend, and a group of, of, of lesbians who are very much out and proud. 
So there's clear conflict there. And then the sort of the catalyst of the whole thing is that they're a new student who turns out to also be lesbian, but a very young girl sort of still trying to figure out her way in the Mm -hmm. world. And she recognizes Jean as also being a lesbian. And what what happens there as the film progresses is so beautiful because Jean does all the wrong things. Mm. She does all the wrong things. And the, the, the movie is, is um, you know, because you're not necessarily going to be a hero in these situations where you're so much is at stake. But at the same time, why did you get into teaching? It's not so that you could have a negative impact on youngsters, um, which is, I mean, it's just... The film is so well written and directed so as to make these massive, incredible, not just personal, but globally political statements feel incredibly everyday Mm -hmm. because they really were. They were just everyday issues being faced. And also the performances are so beautiful and breathtaking that it's just when you finally get to the conclusion you're you're just pleased as you can be. And it's much like Chile 76. It's not only a history lesson, but it's speaking. These these things speak to today. They do. Yeah. I mean, just check the headlines and the Supreme Court uh, announcements yes. that are coming down fast and furious now. They are they're speaking to the headlines today. So and again, very it's relevant. A, another, I think, elegant nod to the, the spirit of revolution. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so both of those uh, coming out the same week, and both of those very much recommended. This one also in theaters this weekend called Blue Jean. And next, let's move to VOD. Swiss mountain girl Heidi is abducted by brutal government troops and must defend herself and fight a war against a cheese-fueled machinery of hate. That's right, I said cheese-fueled machinery of hate. This is Mad Heidi. Now the girl from the Alps is back. With a vengeance. Get ready for action. Beautiful Swiss girls. Swiss army katanas. And of course, fondue boarding. I love the smell of cheese in the morning. I'm coming for you. One badass Heidi. She's mad Heidi. Well, well, well. Something's yodeling in my pants. <laughs> it's billed as Swiss exploitation. <laughs> and it's, I'm in. <laughs> and it's a you know it's a sequel of sorts to Heidi. Heidi, right? The in the Alps the, with the grandpa. Yeah, but put italics on of sorts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's an adult now. She's a grown up now, but she still lives with grandpa. And uh, but but uh, a new a new government, uh, a very, very cheese oriented dictatorial government. Can I just say when I was a kid, I loved Heidi. I had one of those. It was a I love you so much more for knowing this. I never knew this. This this is Heidi. No, I never knew you liked Heidi. I liked it because I had a I had a series of these albums that you played and then you went along with the book. It wasn't really a book. It was just a, a bunch of pages inside the album, and you could just read along as the story was told to you. And I loved it, Heidi. Let's do it over and over again. I love this that. This is not that story. This is not it, that, that story. Was, that was much less bloody. There was no blood on those pages. There's a lot of blood <laughs> in this movie. Um, a lot of blood. So the dictatorial government, again, cheese-oriented, 
you know, it, it sniffs out if you are lactose intolerant and then you go to jail. <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, Heidi's boyfriend, uh, he secretly is uh, selling goat cheese, no lactose. So he also he ha- he he comes under fire and then uh, and then Heidi is is banished. And then there's a montage with magical nuns and katanas. And it is it's just a blueprint of every real 70s low budget yeah. true exploitation films like like grindhouse exploitation films that is what this homage is but also is a spoof of it's a comedy it's making fun of these things but in not in a hateful way in a very very right. sort of joyous way so let's give some shout outs to the co-writers directors johan hartman sandro klopfstein are the directors and then for the uh, screenplay they also bring in gregory d widmer uh, starring Alice Lucy, also Casper Van Dien. Yes, he huh? is. Yes. Every now and then, he's our Swiss leader. He pops into something, and you're like, yeah. You know what? It reminds you, I think, it reminds me anyway, that Starship Troopers was, in fact, a satire Very, and a spoof. You know, and, <laughs> and maybe the best one. And to be fair, over the last several years, it is getting its due. Yeah, it is. I don't think people realized it at the time. No, they I definitely know didn't. I didn't. No, they I didn't. Know I know I did, but it has. It has Getting gotten more of its due over the last several years. Yeah, and and it's he's fun in this. He's just chewing scenery. He's very over the top. I'm not going to say that this is a great movie, but it is fun. It is fun and satisfying. If I mean, there is a a lot of bloodshed. So so even though it's definitely comedic, it's not a horror movie. It's not even trying to be a horror movie. It's trying to be an exploitation movie. But um, if you like, if you're opposed to seeing heads explode, if mm-hmm. you're don't watch it. Because there's uh, and and a lot of uh, gooey cheese related death. You, you, if that's gonna, if that sounds like something you're not gonna be in for, you won't enjoy the film. How about how about a double feature of this and Sisu? Well, you know what? I think that that's. Um, I, I think that this is a better double feature with like uh, Planet Terror. Oh, okay, right? Yeah, because yeah. Sisu is. Three hundred thousand times better movie, <laughs> so it's definitely well, and different it's tone. much more. It doesn't have a, a that sort of exploitation feel no sisu is just a great movie yeah it is Uh, but But, that's okay that's a point well taken yeah yeah Yeah, but it's an awful lot of gooey gore and and limbs yes but less of it is cheese related (laughs) there's less cheese that's right that's right remember cheese fueled (laughs) was the uh was the phrase at the beginning so yeah if that's your bag i think you're gonna love it and that is on vod now mad heidi soon i hope there'll be an album and read along for this version (laughs) because if there is i'm getting it Let's go back to theaters. Latest for director Catherine Hardwick. A father fights for the love of his daughter and grandson after serving 12 years in prison. This is called Prisoner's Daughter. Big Daddy Bulldog's in town, huh? Think that's a good idea? You're an addict, Tyler. I'm going to ask you one last time. Or what? Don't come in here now like there's some hero because you're not. You can't stop me from seeing him. No? Watch me. I promise I will never let them harm you again. I know none of us will make up for who I was or what I did. But let me be your father for once. Stop it! Get over here! Why did you go to jail? Which time? Wait, how many times did you go to prison? More than I care to remember. Yeah, the prisoner here, played by Brian Cox, he's been popping up a lot lately in some of these films. Um, and, of course, always a favorite. You know, yes. he's always good, and he's gotten back to the top now with a Succession. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, this and one was well, McDonald's commercials. Yeah, the McDonald's commercials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. Uh, this was reviewed at MadWolf.com by Christy Robb, and she was safe to say let down by it. It is, uh, you know, it's very formulaic. It's very, you know, in fact, uh, you know, the, the film that Brian Cox had out just a couple weeks ago, you could say the same thing. Just, it, you know, it ticked off all the boxes. There are no surprises yeah, here. Yeah, the fly it's, fishing film. Yes, yeah, yeah. very, very formulaic. There's a crisis at the beginning. His daughter, who's played by Kate Beckinsale, she's kind of down on her luck. Her husband or her ex-husband is a big old jerk. She uh, just got fired from her job. She's trying to pay bills and she gets this uh, this call because her father, Brian Cox, he's being let out of prison because he's dying. And can she take him in? And she's just basically, as long as you pay some rent and right. leave me alone. Right. And that's about as contrived as a plot can begin. Um, and then, of course, what's necessarily going to happen is that not only does the father and daughter uh, get back together and, and learn to love each other, but the grandfather, Brian Cox, gets to have some really positive question mark impact on his grandson who's being bullied and it just so happens that that, that brian cox is an ex-boxer right but it also begs the question is this good guidance that he's giving that this convicted criminal is giving his grandson hard to say the point is everybody learns a not really hardly earned lesson and and uh it would be great if life worked out this tidily so that you can get the whole review from Christy at MadWolf.com. And that is in theaters now, Prisoner's Daughter. Next up is a musical drama. A group of actors perform in the heart of the Warsaw Ghetto in a life-or-death context on a run-down stage. It's called Love Gets a Room. What would you be willing to do to leave the ghetto? Anything. I won't leave Edmund. Then you'll die here. Think I'm happy about staying, that I want to die here? This is what we are! What we have left! To love what we loved is the eternal question. You're making a mistake. Can't trust anyone anymore. What would you do for me? I haven't done anything. No, of course not. The premise here is fascinating because, uh, in part, this is based on a true story of uh, a theater troupe who performed this exact same play in a Warsaw ghetto, you know, during uh, Nazi occupation. And that is fascinating. What also is, is going on here is a fictionalized story about one of the actresses on the stage who has an opportunity to escape. Mm-hmm. However, if she is going to escape, she cannot bring her the, the man she loves, he can't go with her. And it's just, you know, it's a very sort of, it's got to happen right now. There's a lot of rush to figure it out. There's heartbreak. There's, and then, you know, a, a Nazi soldier shows up to watch the show. And there's a, additional tension there. There's a lot to work from here. And Rachel was just a little disappointed in the execution. It's, it's really interesting to me that it's based on a true story because that synopsis and that description, right away I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking, one, Man of La Mancha. Right. Uh, and and last year's No Bears. I mean, they both are like, wow, I think I've seen this part of this a long time ago and the other part of it just last year. But so it was very interesting to me that it has some roots in uh, in true, true events. But, yeah, you can check out the full review from Rachel Willis at uh, MadWolf.com. And this one is on VOD. It is it's coming out on VOD now. So it's a very interesting story, if nothing else, called Love Gets a Room.
Next up is a dramedy romance. An aspiring young Middle Eastern poet moves to Montreal for medical school and is forever changed by the city and the young women who reveal him to his destiny. Montreal Girls. So you want me to be exclusive to you? Nobody owns me or tells me what to do. I do it some Frenchy. Why do you keep giving me the silent treatment, Yas? Don't let me catch you hanging over Yas. These chicks don't like buses. You miss one, you catch the next. Here, I want to make you feel better. Can't you tell she's playing you? Daring you with these dramatic games to gain the attention she so desperately craves. Yo! You know about Montreal girls, right? What? This is director and co-writer Patricia Chica, and it was reviewed at MadWolf.com once again by Rachel Willis. Yes, and this one was a, she found a little bit more impressive. The um, uh, the story is, as you, as you say in the synopsis, he's a poet, and he's in Canada to go to med school. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems to be at at, at, at odds with each other. What and does it he is. really want to do? Right, yeah. and the thing is, uh, and the, there are two girls, and one is sort of more safe, and the other one is... More elusive, and so it's a it. It sounds like it is a pretty clear cut case of symbolism, and it it is. But the execution here is actually quite good, and she was really impressed by this movie. Yeah. So again, check out Rachel's review at MadWolf.com. Montreal Girls out now on VOD. And one more VOD entry this week. The latest geezer teaser with Mel Gibson, a police detective suffering from cancer, makes a deal with an informant to get killed in the line of duty so his family can receive the hefty death benefits from the department. This is called Confidential Informant. I've been having nightmares. What if somebody finds out? Is Tommy taking money on the side? Never. You got a dead cop. A hero partner, a widow. This investigation is over. My gut is right on this son. All you got is conjecture. You're about an inch away from getting bounced out of the IAB. It's our job to protect the community, uphold the law. Sometimes you gotta do a smaller wrong for a big right. By now, Mel Gibson has clearly taken the baton from Bruce Willis for all of these geezer teaser movies. Now, of course, we found out why Bruce Willis was doing so many. We really don't know why Mel Gibson is, because here's another one. Yeah, here is another one. And he's he's got a small part, as is often the case in the geezer teasers. I mean, the, the movie is really not about him. He's the boss of a group of corrupt police, but they're corrupt in the good way, which is <laughs> makes them the only corrupt police who are corrupt in the good ways. They're not taking anything for themselves. Uh, which right there, if you just want to vomit like me, well, then maybe watch no further. But the thing is, one of them is uh, terminally ill, and so they come up with this idea. And and it's a, as Daniel pointed out in his review, it's a it's a it's a plot that's been exploited for veterans with good reason. Yeah, he, to move it into the police system is dubious at best. Yeah, he brought up, of course, a great example is Narc, right? Where you can use something like this to great. You know, to great ends, not here. No, that's, I think, the biggest thing is that they don't even do it badly in a way that's interesting. It's just boring. And it's uh, also wastes Kate Bosworth in one of those thankless wife helpmate roles. Yeah. You got her in there. Uh, the uh, co-writer and director is Michael Oblowitz. 
But yeah, Mel Gibson, expect one of those roles that he probably could crank out in a day or two. And probably then he's out did. Of the, and probably did, and then he's out of there. Um, and so it's a it's a theme that is highly, highly dubious. Yes. And one that you can tell from his review, Daniel Baldwin uh, kind of rolled. You could He was rolling his eyes as he wrote the uh, review. But yes. it's a good review, and check it out. It's at madwolf.com right now. And Confidential Informant, if you want to go there, is available now on VOD. And speaking of Daniel, he was off last week. We missed him. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back from vacation, rested and ready to give us some more knowledge. It is Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, hanging out in the lobby. What do you know? Well, first off, Book Club, the next chapter, is now available to stream on Peacock. And Infinity Pool is now available on Hulu, so that's a weird double feature for that you. Is. <laughs> that is. That is. There's one for Grandma, and then put her to bed. And then there's <laughs> yes, one definitely. for us. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is hitting premium VOD on July 7th. It doesn't have a Disney Plus streaming premiere date yet, but I imagine it'll be there by early August. Flasher comedy The Blackening is also hitting premium VOD on July seventh. That one didn't that one didn't do that well, which kind of surprised me. It's just too yeah. many things came out that weekend. Yeah. Three huge yeah. movies came out the same day and they all underperformed because you can't have three huge movies come out the same day. Yeah, and and the other weekends have been pretty packed too, so I mean I, I wasn't that surprised when they announced it for a July seventh VOD date because I imagine it might not even be in theaters by then. Yeah. It, it was too bad because I ended up enjoying it more than I thought I would. Yeah, yeah. I hope people see it. I've heard good things. I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. I might try and do that this weekend. Do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, the uh, Adam Driver sci-fi dinosaur flick 65 will be streaming on Netflix beginning July 8th. So if anyone's missed that, it's finally getting streaming. And Transformers Rise of the Beasts will be available on premium VOD on July 11th. Uh don't have a Paramount Plus streaming date for that one either, but again, like Guardians, it'll probably be be on there by early August at the latest. Mm-hmm. The new adaptation of Carmen will be hitting VOD on July 11th. Shin Kamen Rider will be available to stream on Amazon Prime beginning July 21st, so if anyone missed its limited theatrical run, you only have to wait until then. Uh, director Neil Butte has an action thriller called Fear the Night hitting VOD on July 21st. I believe that stars Maggie Q. Hmm. And the superhero satire Smoking Causes Coughing will be available to stream on Hulu on July 27th. That's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. Quentin Depew, who <laughs> we always like, that one is, whoo, that one's out there. And Netflix is premiering Hidden Strike on July 28th. That's an action comedy starring John Cena and Jackie Chan, so that's kind of a fun pairing. It It was actually shot about five years ago, but ended up being shelved for a while, both due to the pandemic and because for a time China was a bit missed with Cena about some supportive comments towards Taiwan. So it's finally coming out now. And i got two more for you. Uh, Lionsgate is unleashing Liam Neeson's uh, Retribution in theaters on August 25th, which basically looks like a bit of a speed riff, except it's Liam Neeson and his kids in a sedan that can't drive under a certain amount. I wonder if it's a Nissan. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> Liam and a Nissan. <laughs> And last one I've got for you is Guy Ritchie's Operation Fortune will begin streaming on Stars on August 30th. Stars. Well, it's uh, it's a Lionsgate movie, and they own Stars, so that's, that's one of those things where I don't really 
know a lot of people who subscribe to stars but lionsgate's movies always go there first i think we used to didn't we when when they were running the evil dead show yeah, they had, they had a, stars. Yeah, ash versus evil dead was yeah we stars. signed up for it just for that yes. and then then we got rid of it right, right. <laughs> correct so i guess we're gonna miss uh, operation <laughs> fortune again we don't need to see it again no, we've seen it <laughs> all yeah. right you can always get the latest news and notes from uh, daniel you can follow him on the socials at the schlocketeer thanks again Thanks for having me. Okay, looking ahead to next week. Uh, for the horror fans, one that I know a lot of people are waiting on comes out next week, Insidious, The Red Door. And a, a second movie this year called Joy Ride comes that, out next week. That's right. Also, The Lesson. Biosphere. The Crusades. The Cow Who Sang a Song to the Future. I love it. And one called The Outlaws. That's all about next week. But what do you think? Indiana Jones or Ruby Gilman, Krakens and mermaids and everything else? I'm Team Kraken. Are you Team? <laughs> I would take a Kraken over a mermaid all day. Mermaids have gotten their due over and over. Time for the Kraken. I think so. All right. Well, what do you think about those? Uh, let us know. It's always fun to keep the conversation going. Easily, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, as well as our horror movie only podcast. Brand new episode just dropped, by the way, called Fright Club. This latest uh, episode, we are talking about Argento. Dario Argento. A lot of fans, I'm really not among them, but mm -hmm. that's okay. I take a back seat to you and our special <laughs> guest, but it's definitely uh, worth checking out. So, all of that can be found on our main website at madwolf.com. So enjoy the movies. Have a great 4th of July weekend. Keep in touch if you can. And until next week, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. This is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.